There. Good morning and welcome, whether you're one of our regular parishioners or whether you've just joined us this morning. Uh, we're talking today about how to be faithful and fruitful when you've really messed up. And when Steve asked me to do that, I wondered, is he trying to tell me something? Because sometimes I feel like I've messed up a lot. In fact, sometimes I feel I'm just amazed if I get through a single day without messing up again and letting Jesus down in some way because we all get it wrong at times, sometimes badly wrong. And so many people's lives and their ability to be faithful to God and fruitful in his purposes are impacted by the guilt they feel that they've not lived up to expectations. They feel failures as citizens, as human beings, as parents, as children, as friends, and above all, as people who claim to be following Jesus. If this is you, don't think you're alone. The whole story of humanity in the Bible is full of people who fail. Starting with Adam and Eve in Genesis 2. In the Garden of Eden, they could eat anything they wanted, but there was one tree that God said they were not to touch. It was the only rule in the garden. And what happened? Eve took a fruit from that tree and ate it, and then she gave it to Adam and he ate it as well. And he got all the blame, of course. In um, uh, Paul says that sin entered the world through one man, and with sin, death. And it goes on like that. Think about all the stories you learned in Sunday school. Abraham was promised he would be the father of a whole new nation. And in his, in his doubting and his impatience, he gets his slave girl pregnant, and then when it becomes an embarrassment, he casts her out into the desert. Moses murdered a man for no good reason. Aaron, left alone for two days, melts down everyone's jewelry, makes a golden calf and lets the people worship it. And David, a man after God's own heart, who God appoints as king in Israel, defends it, guards it, secures its borders, brings peace and unity to the kingdom, and then throws it all away by killing his best friend and stealing his wife. Lots of messing up in scripture. So, have we messed up? Maybe we haven't murdered or stolen or committed adultery, but possibly we remember badly hurting someone through something we did or something we said in impatience, in anger, in carelessness, in ignorance, in thoughtlessness. Or maybe we just failed to do or say the thing that we were needing to do at the time that it mattered. And maybe that's now too late to put right. This is why people who are grieving often feel regret that there's something that thou they won't get a chance to restore. Maybe we're troubled by poor choices we made in life that have had an impact on us. If we think about Zacchaeus last week, I was uh, amazed to be reminded that there's no evidence he cheated anyone, and certainly it doesn't say that he was an adulterer or he murdered anyone, but he'd got into a rut. He'd allowed his love of money and personal security to outweigh what he should have been devoting towards the purposes of God. And in the church in Ephesus, in Revelation, the angel says, I see your perseverance. I see the good you do do, but I also see that you have forgotten. You have the word is more like you've thrown away, you've cast aside your first love. Consider the height from which you have fallen. It's not a condemnation though, it's a challenge. It's an offer. It's a chance for a fresh start. And if there's a man who needs a fresh start, it's Peter of course. He was supposed to be leader among the disciples. But in his terror, in his fear of being arrested and crucified, 
He denied knowing Jesus three times. Serious stuff, he'd been there when Jesus had said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before God. And he swore an oath that it was true. And Jesus had warned against swearing oaths. Let your yes be yes, let your no be no. So he'd failed, he'd messed up big time. And in the story today, he'd been fishing all night with the other disciples, trying to do the one thing that he thought maybe he was still good at, catching fish. Fishermen, we catch fish. And what did they catch in a whole night's fishing? Not a single solitary fish. And then a stranger on the beach in the distance, as they draw to shore, shouts at them, one last time, one last time, just throw your net out for me on the other side of the boat. And of course, you know what happens. It's filled to overflowing with fish. Amazing, amazing it's Jesus, amazing. But how do you think Peter felt other than amazed? Pretty embarrassed, a big failure. Consider how far you have fallen. What's he good for now? Leading anything, serving anyone, following anyone? And as they sat around that fire eating breakfast with Jesus, did he remember that other fire on a less happy occasion in the, in the high priest's courtyard. In fact, it's interesting, the only time John uses that particular word for fire is on the beach after the resurrection and in the high priest's courtyard. So does it take Peter back to that moment? And when Jesus calls in Simon, does he remember that he used to be Simon Peter, Jesus's rock? And when Jesus asks him three times, do you love me? He remembers how he denied that love three times. And when Jesus says, Simon, do you love me more than these? Does he remember that he had bragged in front of Jesus and in front of the other disciples, Lord, even if they all fall away, even if everyone deserts you, I will never leave you. Even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. Pride comes before a fall. But there's other memories here as well in this story, happier memories. You know, the day that Peter met Jesus, he'd been fishing all night. He'd caught nothing. A stranger had shouted at him to throw his net out one more time, and he'd had it filled to overflowing. He declared himself a sinful man and learned that that's just the sort that Jesus likes to work with. On that day, Jesus said, follow me. And at once Peter had left his nets and followed him. And now he says again, feed my lambs, feed my lambs, feed my sheep. And let's be clear this time, Peter, let's be absolutely clear. It's gonna cost you everything, follow me. You may feel that in your life or just from time to time that you've really messed up by something you've done or said or not done or said, and you've tried to put it right, but it's still there. Here are some things that we can take from this story. The first of those is that we have choices. We can always choose, no matter what we've done, to make a new start with Jesus. And sometimes many of us have had to make that choice repeatedly in our lives. A choice born in the knowledge of not only how we messed up, but also what we've fallen from. You know, the prodigal son, when he was sitting there with the pigs fighting them for the cobs, he remembers the kindness of his father. He remembers how he must have wounded him by his betrayal. He remembers his father's generosity where even the servants have so much food they can throw it away. He could have said, you know, I've sinned, I deserve this, 
I'll just rot where I belong. No, he said, I will go home. I choose to go home to my father. I choose to beg forgiveness. And I will say, I want to live here again, even if it's only as one of your servants. Zacchaeus could have remained in his old life, just like the rich young man who went to Jesus and walked away because he was unwilling to pay the cost that would follow from following Jesus, the cost of discipleship. Peter could have taken the choices that Judas did, but he chose to remain with Jesus in humility and awareness of his failings and in the hope of forgiveness. We have choices. Secondly, we have an assurance that as soon as we make that choice and turn back to Jesus, the past is wiped out. We are forgiven. We are restored. Jesus is interested in our future with him, not in our past. Lamentation says God's mercies are new every morning. While the prodigal son was a long way off, you know the story, his father sees him in a distance, just a figure, and he runs towards him. And the son's rehearsing his little speech, you know, Father, I've sinned against heaven, I've sinned against you, I'm not fit to be... And, and the father's not listening. The father is not listening. He's throwing his arms around him. He's kissing him on the neck, it says in the Bible. He's demanding the servants come running, bring a robe, bring sandals, set a feast, oh, and a gold ring too. The son is restored as soon as he turns back to his father. You know, Zacchaeus... The best dinner is night, I'm sure, that night when he dined with Jesus, restored to the person he was meant to be, restored to the relationship with his creator he was meant to have, and restored to his part in the purposes of God that only he, Zacchaeus, the failed moneylender and tax collector of Jericho, that only he could do. And similarly, the one question Jesus doesn't, uh, is not asked by Peter is, do you love me? Peter doesn't say to Jesus, do you love me? because he knows it doesn't need asking. And by his choice to stick with Jesus, Peter is restored to serve and to lead again. Because the Son of Man did not come to judge or condemn the world, but to seek and save those who were lost. So choices, restoration guaranteed, and thirdly, purpose. Because we're not just saved, this is not some cult for our own benefit. We are saved to follow Jesus and play a part in the purposes of God. Purposes so urgent and so vast that each of us, no matter how weak we think we are, has a particular role to play in them. Purposes so wonderful that when Jesus makes it clear it will cost Peter everything, he still follows. Purposes so important that we must move on with him, no matter how badly we think we've done. You know, Rob said last week, and it was good advice. Don't compare yourself with other people. Don't compare yourself with people who you think are doing better in their Christian lives than you. You'll feel inadequate. Don't compare yourself with people who you might think are not doing as well as you because you'll feel judgmental. In fact, Jesus, when Peter says to him, you know, about John, what will happen to him? He says, don't worry about John. What's that to you? You follow me. There's work for you to do, Peter. You know, in some Bibles, that phrase, feed my lambs, feed my lambs, feed my sheep, is translated as take care of my lambs and take care of my sheep. Because it's more than just feeding them. The word implies finding them a nice pasture, taking the sheep to it without any going astray, checking the grass is green and lush just the way the sheep like it, and that there's fresh water around the edges of the field, and that there's no predators there. 
It's about caring for them as much as feeding them. And Jesus does talk about feeding the hungry and giving a drunk to drink to the thirsty, but he also talks about welcoming the stranger, visiting those who are sick or lonely and imprisoned. And especially in these COVID times, you don't need to be in a physical jail to feel imprisoned. He talked about forgiving those whose messing up has hurt us. There are people who we can encourage and whom we can share God's love with us that only we can reach. But first of all, we have to accept that he can use us and that he still loves us no matter what has happened in our past. Shall we pray? Father, you are loving and you're quick to forgive. If we fail, help us put it behind us and come back to you. Remind us every day we can always choose to return to your love. Remind us that you will never turn us away. If you don't hold things against us, neither should we hold things against ourselves and neither should we hold things against other people who might have hurt us. Challenge us every day to put the past behind us and strive for the goals of the day close to you. Help us be people who do walk through our days alongside you. Even if we feel we're achieving little in our service, like Peter and his friends out fishing, remind us to listen to your loving instructions because with you, nothing is beyond us. Open our eyes truly to the needs of the people around us, whether they're lonely, whether they need food and shelter, whether they're abandoned, whether they're sick. Lord, open our eyes to the opportunities to serve others as you would. Give us the courage to respond to that need without considering what it might cost us. Help us to be faithful and fruitful in all that we do and not let anything in our past impede that. And we ask all this in the name of Jesus, your son. Amen.